listening to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 34. This week we're celebrating our one-year anniversary, and that means two big announcements, along with our top acquisition disorders out of Gen Con and four of our favorite games from year one. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. Hey, this is Chris. This is Daniel. And this is Drew. Welcome to the episode, everybody. This is a very, very, very special episode. Uh, I say that every single episode, I realized, as I was editing last time, I was listening. They're all good. And I said that, and I realized it was just a normal episode. But it's special, but it wasn't super special because so, it just waters it down. When I tell you that this is a special episode because it is our one year anniversary to the date. Oh. Episode 34. Uh, we started on August 24th of 2013, so the exact same date, even, which is a complete accident. Wow. But it's not an accident, it was meant to happen ages ago. They prof- said this day would happen. No? No. Never. <laughs> no. So it's like special, like as in, on this special episode of Blossom, Anthony realizes it's been a year. No. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, go. Yeah. Yeah. After so special, kind of special? I, in fact, I actually remember, because I uploaded it, and it was completely random what day I did upload it, because uh, I had been procrastinating, editing the podcast for like three days. So it could have easily been three days earlier, and then I would be having a different conversation. Um, <laughs> but it works. Yeah, it, it works. does work. Uh, but that you know, we're obviously very excited. This has been a great year. We've uh, built up a nice audience. We've built up, a, you know, we've become a part of the Dice Tower just a few months ago, which was honestly when we started, I was our, one of our only goals. So we did it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so what we're telling you is we're done now. We're, we're done. <laughs> we quit. We're out. We're, we're out. We peaked. It's done. It's happened. <laughs> That's, and actually, I mean to go back to a couple things too. I mean, to be on the Dice Tower Network, I know I know for probably people outside of board gaming, it doesn't seem like much, but probably, I said this again, the first video I ever watched on to get a walkthrough or information on like hobby board gaming was Dice Tower, and that was kind of a big thing. And it was Tom Vassell. I'm like, I really enjoy this, and I really want to get involved in this and do more than just playing the games. And it was kind of a, a, a big moment. And then, obviously, Anthony also said, too, about a big audience... One of the best things, and honestly, the best thing about having this podcast is to be able to connect to listeners like you. So thank you for downloading. Thank you for spreading the word about us. We really want to get this kind of great information and the fun out to you. And you are part of the podcast. You are the fifth member. And we're really glad to have you join us each and every, well, upcoming, each and every week. Yeah, yeah. Announcing. Yeah, this is a special announcement for the first year episode. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a present to you, the listeners. Yeah. So when we started the podcast with Dan and Kim a full year ago, we podcast every week and we kept it relatively short and we were just messing around because we had twenty listeners, uh, of which all of them were our friends from the store. So it wasn't we didn't have this big audience. We didn't have people listening in forty, fifty countries, whatever it is. Um, we were not part of the Dice Tower. And at a certain point, uh, when we ramped things up, we went to every two weeks. And that's gone extremely well. So one thing we've been able to do because of that is streamline you know, how I edit the podcast. And we're all actively gaming all the time. So we have all these games we can talk about. So we want to go every week. So we're going to start podcasting every single week. Uh, same day. Download it every Sunday. Um, tiny bit shorter, but... You're going to get just as much great content, just as many great reviews. It's going to be good for you, the listener, really. A more regular schedule and a tighter, shorter. I love 59-minute podcasts. <laughs> as soon as it goes over an hour, psh, I tune out. So, this is perfect. But thankfully, Drew, Drew listens to us, right, Drew? Oh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm one of those <laughs> listeners who joined during the course of the year. I'm sure most of our listeners pick this now, up. Now, did that happen once that Drew guy joined the podcast? And all of a sudden, the podcast okay. seemed a okay. lot more interesting Listen, to you? You guys know I'm a blog man. Okay. okay? Yeah. That's what I like. So I, I read all the blogs. Not much of a podcast listener, but uh, these guys taught me. 
the benefits of a podcast, good podcast. And also to be able to bring the listeners up-to-date information and news about gaming. You know, a two-week podcast is great, but by the time we broadcast the next two weeks, things are a little bit out of date. So if you're looking to make those purchases or looking for upcoming events, it kind of works a lot better this way. So we can kind of bring that information directly. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll make it easier for me to remember what I played. Um, <laughs> if it was 13 days wow. ago, I can Get remember. Get old there, man. It's, come on. It's the big 3 you know? Kids, family. <laughs> um, you guys are lucky I'm still in one piece. Um, and it's. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I definitely enjoyed when we did it every week a year ago, and it was just work and life made it so we couldn't for a little while but we're back we're back and better than ever all right all right so that's that's our one year thing we're going to be talking about some of our favorite games from the first year uh today uh, along with gen con of course and um you know just last thing on this just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's been on the podcast part of the podcast daniel and drew have been you know jumped in and been tremendous part of this the last few months but even going back before that we had special guests uh rob mike george and then of course dan and kim the original podcast crew Love so them. you know it's it's been quite a journey it's been a lot of fun and here's to the next year all right yeah all right cheers all right so as the usual let's jump right into the news uh, drew's got a couple things including another announcement Dun, dun, dun. At the end of the news, we'll talk about that. So, <laughs> Plus Gen Con, of course. All right. Shout out from the tabletop. News and commentary. <laughs> I love that phrase. So I'm just going to use it forever. Um, the, the first bit of news is not a happy one. Uh, we all know that we lost Robin Williams um, a week ago. Um, unfortunate circumstances that we don't need to go into now. But um, I'm sure some of you know, not all of you may know, but he was a very passionate gamer. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer 40K. Um, he loved it, frequented game stores. So it's a chance for us not just to mourn the passing of a great comic actor, but he was one of us. Um, he loved sitting down at the table. And there, I don't think there's any listener out there who wouldn't have loved the chance to sit at the same table with him and play a game. So that would have been incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Quite a loss. Recipes. Um, Turning that around, we have a little bit brighter. Well, it's all brighter when it comes to gaming. Um, some interesting news from Upper Deck. Um, I haven't been following them all that much, except that they made baseball cards. I was a collector. Anthony, you collected too for a while. I have no upper thousands deck. of baseball cards in my basement <laughs> that my son likes to play with. There you go. <laughs> Listen, I loved writing on mine when I was a kid. I ruined a lot of. I ruined my future college tuition, let me tell you. <laughs> my kids' college tuition if I had kids. Um, but Upper Deck got out of the baseball card, official licensed baseball card business in 2009 when Major League Baseball kicked them out, um, gave an exclusive license to Tops. But in 2009, they also got out of uh, publishing Versus, their uh, card game system, which is normally spelled VS dot but called Versus. They've announced that they're actually going back into that full bore. They're recreating that. And um, you might be hearing some different things about them because they're trying to rush to get it out of Gen Con. I'm sure they're playing it there, but they really rushed a little too much, made some big mistakes on their cards. And they also included the phrase living card game, LCG on it, which is a licensed phrase of our old friends. Fantasy Flight, of course. Yeah. So... Probably they're going to be worth the demo cards that they have there at Gen Con are going to be worth a lot of money someday <laughs> because they're the only ones that are going to have LCG on them. Um, but it is pretty interesting that uh, to know that Upper Deck is, is getting back into this, the card game, uh, collectible card game business. You have you ever played those before? I have not, no, but I've, I know some people are very excited about it. I know that it was it went along with that Marvel license for a little while, yeah, so maybe somehow they'll tie it into or at least. You know the general way they've been doing legendary um yeah should be fun should be interesting it's a new card game with a system that'll be familiar to us even if we can't call it that uh from a different company which is that's always interesting because yeah. fantasy flight's kind of got the market cornered right now on lcgs it's it's not that that they it went out of print it's just they just stopped doing it it's like they decided to go a different direction but now they're back so good for good for everybody 
Um, next bit of news, we're talking about the publishers and the hobby business. I read uh, something from ICV2, the website that tracks entertainment, uh, news, publishing. Um, they put out their spring report every quarter they do that. It seems like that we are in, uh, we're following a hobby that's very, very vigorous, very strong. $700 million in sales for the spring. Um, what's interesting is that they break down the, um, all the sales in five categories. And I wanted to test you guys to see if you knew what the number one game in each of the five categories are. So oh, let's right. see. This is, this is quiz time. Quiz time. The five categories that they track are collectibles, board games, RPGs, miniatures, and then cards slash dice. Okay. So we'll start with probably the easiest one, collectibles. Ooh. Wait, wait. Dead silence. <laughs> what's, what's defining collectibles? Yeah, okay. ah, not cards. Not cards. Well, actually, yes. Okay, so magic. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. yeah. there was a card category. <laughs> right. so, <laughs> so magic is it's too much to be in cards. Well, this, yeah. this is where cards can yeah, the, cards, the cards dice, I mean, see, the, the number one game in that category is Android Netrunner, which I don't really know much about. Okay. And that's, they've yeah. put that. Now, that's a hot game. So, yeah. yeah. They mean non collectible card games. Non collectible, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the CCG versus the LCG. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that what? And they can't use that phrase. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now let's go with RPG. Number one RPG of the spring. For this last year? Of the spring of this year. Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Pathfinder, definitely. Yeah, that's going to kind of get knocked out by D&D eventually. But not, yeah. Not as of yet. Possibly. I would yeah, be we'll surprised see. if it didn't. Yeah, I'd be surprised. Yeah. That would be a big story. Then we'd know how much of a lead Pathfinder pulled away. Yeah. Well, I know that I know that the company, what's the name? It starts with a P. Paizo? Paizo. Yeah. yeah. It's been trying to push uh, sponsored tournament play. Mm-hmm. They want to keep it going, but yeah. They might it's get much more off. affordable, too, though. You buy that one gigantic book, it's... 40, 50, mm-hmm. and has everything you need versus the pricing on this new D&D Next system is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. $50 for a player guide, $50 for a dungeon master guide, $50 for the monster manual, and then 30 for each of these campaign guides. Hey, they, Hundreds of dollars. They published a couple more free campaigns. You know, some more PDF files. I, you want to yeah, down, down. It's subsidized. I'm not even going to call it free because the people who are paying for it are paying for the free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, prices are nuts. Scrabble Dictionary um, announced an, an edi- a fifth edition. I'm surprised as long as Scrabble's been out. This is only the fifth edition. Ten years ago was their last one. Um, among, you know, there's 5,000 words added, but among them are four new two-letter words. And I couldn't imagine that there are any more two-letter words to, to discover. T-E, which is the variant of T in Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, T, Do, which I sang out of tune. That's a new word. Da, Gi, G-I, and Po. Oh, okay. I'm extremely excited about this news. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might. I love the two-letter words. That's how you rack up your score in Scrabble. And that's why you can't play Scrabble with people. Oh, that, okay, I was going to say, it, it's a further divide between the serious Scrabble gamers yes. and the casual ones. Absolutely. There's no way the two can play together. Nope. No, I would destroy you. No. <laughs> I won't be playing with you, yeah. so that won't happen. I mean, I mean, I've never played Scrabble. You want to try? I've never. You should teach me the rules. <laughs> sure, let's let's play for money then. It seems right. like you guys have big vocabularies. <laughs> we need a way to handicap this game so that everybody can play at the same table. What if what if the really good gamers, the better you were, you had fewer tiles? Like you give the really good guys four tiles, and everyone else can have ten tiles. Yeah, but the problem with that is it is the two letter words. I mean, the two letter words aren't dangerous because they score what four or five points they're dangerous because where you place them they score multiple different yeah. angles and that's what scores so many points true but the really really big scores are when you drop six or seven tiles and create four two-letter words sure alongside yeah two words alongside each yeah. other you can get a seven-letter word paralleling another word that's 150 points well there, sometimes you'll have a, a word strung along the the, the next to the last uh, row toward the bottom and you want to get that triple word score at the very bottom you got to have those yep those two letter words that's how you play it man so I'm, I would love to learn just to learn all these two letter words <laughs> forget it just memorize them <laughs> um, just real quick vlog bromance 
uh, Buzzkill, Chillax. These are all Chillax. The that's yeah. adorable. Yeah. Uh, Bromance. And Buzzkill has two Zs. Buzzkill. How are you ever going to play that without a blank? And Super Scrabble. Super Scrabble. <laughs> play with two sets of tiles. Mix them all in together. Uh, finally, um, we have uh, something on the radar. It's coming up in a couple months, but we want to talk, to, tell people about it now. It's Extra Life. It's a, a special fundraising uh, program that's actually how many years has it been going i know we did it last year the full event's been going for a few years but this is our second year yeah so we've done it last year uh it's coming up again um i didn't get the date from you chris that'll be sunday october 26th okay can you fill us in with some a little bit because i know level 99 uh the publisher has gotten some publicity from their uh, goal of five thousand dollars I think more and more gamers, more and more publishers should be jumping in on this. What is Extra Life? Well, Extra Life originally started as a nonprofit organization that's supporting Children's Miracle Network hospitals. And it started out trying to get gamers to donate towards this cause. So you would have their 25-hour event and you would say, if I go off and I game for 25 hours and you ask people to sponsor you for that time and you get to pick the hospital that you want as part of this network that's in your area and then raise money that way. In the last year or two, tabletop gaming obviously has exploded and they've reached out to tabletop gamers in order to bring in that additional revenue to help these hospitals. So what we did last year was actually have a 25 hour game event where the pub, <gasps> yeah, that happened. <laughs> It really did. Yeah, so hours. there's actually there's actually an episode we that was on episode twelve where we talked about all the fun, crazy, sleep deprived things that we did, and initially that twenty five hours seemed like a great idea, and it was a lot of fun, but it was really hard to game, you know, towards the twenty hour kind of mark. Before that, <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but here's the problem: the four people who were coordinating this event were not there at 10 a.m. They were there at 8 a.m. and were preparing at 5 a.m. So I was awake not for 25 hours because I know plenty of people who showed up 30 minutes after we started who had woken up 20 minutes before that (laughs) but had been awake for an additional six hours beyond that. So it was 31 hours on top of actually running the event. Anyways, long story short, we were very, very tired. We were very, very tired. So, but the event went amazing. It was a really a great time to bring new gamers in. We packed the store full of gamers. And what we did was we ran a auction event. That's, so we had a silent auction. So there was some really great big games that we got from publishers and also from friends who donated some games. And then people were able to kind of sign in and put their um, amount of money they wanted to donate for those games. And then in addition to that, we did an hourly draft right so yep so we had a raffle every hour the entire event so there were 25 separate drawings <laughs> mm. uh this this is the reason i didn't play anything longer than uh, love letter because every hour i had to run up and do a raffle but this was a lot of fun because every hour people would be screaming at each other to shut up there's a raffle <laughs> uh and we would draw someone's name we'd draw two games they'd get to pick one of them we had enough games that this was effective the entire night people almost everybody got the games they were looking for um, and if you want to see the games that we had, because we had this nice, neat stack before we started, uh, just head over to the Facebook page. There's plenty of photos of our giant pile of donations. And you can take a look at Anthony kind of handing out each and individual game to the gamers who won it. And then you can see as the night went on, Anthony getting a little bit more slumped over. <laughs> but uh, everybody was happy. It was a great event. It brought in a lot of money for the store, which was nice. It brought a lot of money in for the children's hospitals, which was great. And gamers were thrilled. So I was out of town for that week, but I remember the thrill of (laughs) phoning in. It was like at at a big auction in Sotheby's. I'm calling in my bids. You know, what's it at? What's it bidding? Forgot. Yeah, you called in. I was sitting at the front desk, uh, filling in, and you've called in to ask me what the numbers were at on the games you wanted. That was great. Yeah, Uh, yeah. We we raised close to twenty five hundred dollars last year. Um, so that's definitely the goal this year, and then some. But what was the what was the goal last year? Our goal last year was a thousand dollars. Thousand. So we beat that, and then some. More than doubled it. Um, yeah. Just a tremendous outpouring of support from everybody in Staten Island in the area, and it was really incredible. It was everything we expected and more. I know there were times during the night that people 
had they showed up, donated, and had to leave because there was not enough room. It was that packed. That was great. So this year we're excited. We have a little bit more space. Um, obviously, it's because of what happened with Myriad having to close. So it's not, you know, we're not excited necessarily. It's a little bittersweet. But we do have more room this year. So this year we're bringing the Extra Life event to Gamers Gambit in Saddlebrook, New Jersey. Scott, the owner over there, has been nice enough to allow us to have the event there that Sunday. So we're going to have a day-long event. Not 25 hours, but the entire day of the event. And we're going to do a lot of the similar things that we did last year. So we're going to have the raffles each hour. We're going to have the silent auction. We're going to have gamers playing all types of different games. We'll have people teaching different games, which is always a great thing. So if there's a game you haven't played before, there'll be teachers on hand. And we'll also have special promotions for fans who are listening to the podcast. So if you can't make it down to New Jersey for that event, we'll have a way for you to donate to this campaign that'll help Children's Hospital and hopefully get a game in your hands too. I'm really excited to be involved this year because last year I wasn't able to be involved at all. I didn't even get to call in. Oh. So now to be in the midst of it in the we eye of the storm. yet. I know. I don't our little yeah, circle. I guess I hadn't entered Myriad yet at that point, actually. This might, I think, happened right before I joined the Board Gamer Meetup where we all met. Yeah, I think we met you later that month. Yeah. So... Yay! Now you're in. Yeah. And once you're in, there is no leaving. You need to help us run it. <laughs> you know that means that means the party started. Ooh. Oh. So oh, now yeah. you're you're basically saying you're gonna up the ante. I'm upping the so ante. So now there are expectations yeah. that this will be better. Well, we're than still last gonna year. have a full 25 hours of fun, just compressed. <laughs> the ante done been upped. Oh. Wow. It done been upped. It done been upped. <laughs> right. Hey, are we gonna do a live uh, recording from there or something? Uh, can we? Can we? Can we? We promised one last year, and then we did not do it. So um, I'm willing to admit that because we did actually promise it on air, and then it didn't happen. Um, We can certainly try to record an update from the floor, but as these events tend to be with hourly raffles and people coming in constantly and taking donations and helping people find somewhere to play and teaching games, I think time just kind of slips away from you. Uh, Maybe if one or two of us wants to sit aside and do the team a favor and record something. It's the same thing with Gen Con, isn't it? All these people yeah. promising updates from Gen Con and they're just too busy. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> well, we'll try to do a little bit more this year, which is great. <laughs> so, we're figuring it at, at right now, and we'll have more details for you each and every week to kind of bring you up to date with what's going on with Extra Life. Um, we're going to be looking at something from like 11 in the morning to 11 at night, so if you're in the area and you want to help out, we would love for you to help out there. And in addition to that, we would love for you to, to game with us and spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you want to volunteer, there's plenty of stuff. There's all, tons of stuff we need help with. Um, setup, teaching games, checking people in, um, keeping everything running. If you don't, if you just want to donate, uh, you know, obviously hit us up on the website. We're going to have a donation box up very soon. Probably by the time you hear this, it should be up on the site. We have one up last year. A lot of people were great about that. And then if you are in the area, like Chris said, stop by because we're going to have tons of stuff. Uh, last year we had more than 75 games that were donated hmm. by publishers. Um, and I, I fully expect to you know, see people just reaching out to us this year too. So we can make just as big an event. So they can go online. I mean, there's, there's a link to the Extra Life site. So they can donate. We, won't, we wouldn't handle the online donations. It goes right to Extra Life. It goes and, straight through Extra Life. And yep. we get credit for having raised that. Yep. So, so we don't, you don't have to worry about us getting our grubby little hands on your money. It'll go straight to them. Yep, everything goes straight through them. Uh, I got instructions on the website. I got a, it shows you exactly which group we're in, exactly where we're at, and how to be part of the, uh, the effort. And we'll post it to BoardGameGeek, too. Yeah, I have to mention, too, Gamers Gambit is a tremendous place to game at. The, the play space is huge. Scott and his staff is tremendously friendly and open to new gamers coming in there. They have comic books. They have board games. They have miniatures. They really have a good supply of a wide range of different things. And I started back with meeting Scott and Gamers Gambit a while back when I joined uh, Bergen County Board Gamers Meetup. And they play there every Monday night. So if you're interested in meeting up with us there... You can join us there at any time, and we're going to have them help join us for the Extra Life event. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're in that area uh, and downloaded this today, it came out, we'll be there tomorrow. So, <laughs> for those who did that. Um, <laughs> and we love you. Yeah, we really do, actually. If you show up and tell us that, then we know you listened to it yesterday, and that's amazing. So, looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> um, so, that's Extra Life. We'll have updates for you every week now, and... Uh, the event's going to be coming up really quickly. It's just a little over two months away. So, 
Very excited yeah. for that. All right, so that's Extra Life coming up at the end of October. Uh, next up, let's talk about some of the acquisition disorders we have lately, and you all know what week it's been. Gen Con. Acquisition Disorder Corner. for acquisition disorders and that of course means all the things we wish we could have seen at gen con uh i'm gonna go ahead and lead off because the one big fantasy flight moment their big announcement at their flight report is a game that i'm very very excited about uh i know not everybody is for various reasons but the idea of a star wars game a star wars board game first off because they had not been producing one up to this point based on kind of a similar style as Descent, a game that I really want to try and have been this close to buying half a dozen times, with miniatures of my favorite characters, already mentally that money's been set aside. I'm buying this game. No That's, Jar Jar? There's no Jar Jar. No Jar Jar. No, this Even is the original trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Imperial Assault. I think right before that we were just saying they need a board game, a miniatures game, a land combat game, something, because... I love X-Wing, but I can't keep up with it, and it's just too competitive, and the meta's too heavy for me to compete with people. Uh, the new game, the other new game, I don't know. It's just price point and scale-wise off the charts for me. But Imperial Assault looks awesome. I don't care what it costs. I'm sure it'll be, like, Descent-ish, and I know there's going to be a ton of expansions. And, yeah, there's already a space on my shelf for this one. It's going to be awesome. You know it's Fantasy Flight. That, that, costs, that means cost, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lots I'm cool with that. I get to paint Darth Vader. <laughs> paint him what, pink. So what color do you think you're gonna go with there? Paint. He deserves it. That would be, it's be fun. Don't ruin my fun. <laughs> the the palette's so vast. I get, to, uh, I get to paint Luke Skywalker. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> it's gonna be so cool. You guys are gonna play. You it. get to paint the lightsabers. Yeah. Now that yeah. would be great. That's gonna be fun. Did you like, can you can kind of paint them with a neon color to kind of like. Looks like the lit lightsabers. Get some glow-in-the-dark paint. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Do it. It's done. I'm going to play this game like once. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right, but I got to paint Darth Vader (laughs) and his lightsaber. Uh, Yeah, that was the big one for me. And there's a ton of stuff we've already talked about that people played, but we weren't there, so it's not like, what more can I say about this awesome game that I have yet to get to play? It plays a bunch of different ways, though, right? Uh, Imperial Assault? Yeah, it plays two ways, I believe. There's like a two-to-five-player mode in which you know different you know the empire versus luke and the rebels uh or there's a one-on-one mode where the game kind of tweaks a little and it's 1v1 which i think is pretty cool because one of the big problems i always have with descent thinking about buying that is that i have to get a group a big enough group of people together to make sure it's balanced with one person versus however many people it needs to be against I like two-player games i like having that option and a game that has basically two modes whether it's only two in a room or you have all five is just really cool to me i like that idea how it plays i don't know but you know it'd be really interesting if, if you can kind of incorporate that with the star wars rpg because now you actually have the miniatures like you would for D and to kind of build because you can actually use these tiles and the miniatures to actually build a little bit of a world yeah it's gonna be awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome and I can already see like different expansions they're going to have because this one's like the battle on Endor, so it has the ATST um, and just you know land speeder bikes and that kind of thing. But you could do the battle on Hoth and get an AT-AT in there. You could go into well, I mean they're probably going to stay away from space because obviously they have their whole mega empire of space games. But just there's so many cool locales inside the Death Star. You could do stuff there. Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> and they have the ATSTs, one of the miniatures, right? Yeah. That's pretty it's, nice. Don't really yeah. have to paint that one. But. Is it to scale? Uh, so far, know. it seems to be kind of. I couldn't tell from the pictures. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a, be a pretty sizable miniature. I mean, it they're not big. huge, but they're bigger than people. Yeah, right? the ATST is pretty big. Yeah, yeah. it's big. Like three times, three times that of a person. I mean, it's, kinda, it's, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, there's yeah. there's definitely technical manuals which which will kind of show you that. Yeah, that'll, way more detail than you ever wanted. If once you've painted it and and you don't want to stop there, I think you should buy another set, a whole set, but paint them as older with little beards, Luke Skywalker with his beard, <laughs> put some rust on the Millennium Falcon, you know, for the version seven, Episode Seven coming up. Yeah. Good. 
You know, you know that they're releasing this because they're going to have some expansion for Episode Seven. Yeah, they're already on top of that. I don't have to do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the big one for me. I don't know what you guys saw that looked interesting though. Well, since you talked about uh, Fantasy Flight, let me jump on that because not only are you going to get that Descent type of game, there's a new one, Star Wars Armada. Now, Armada is very similar to Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures. But in this one, it offers a little bit of twist because what everyone's been asking for with X-Wing's miniatures is the larger ships. To be able to see a Star Destroyer or the frigates or some of the large class ships because it really isn't a Star Wars universe unless you have those kind of big cruisers. So this is kind of a scaled down version of X-Wing miniatures. So you'll still have the TIE Fighters, you'll still have the X-Wings, but the base set also comes with a Victory Class Star Destroyer and an escort frigate and a blockade runner. So the blockade runner we know just recently came out for Star Wars, Star Wars X-Wings miniatures. And it's pretty large. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's definitely worth picking up. But now you actually have everything scaled down. And this allows an additional level of complexity as far as which sides of the, of the larger ships do you attack. Because they actually have shields on different sides. And the larger ships also have different attack dice depending on which way they're shooting so front or back and and the ways the kind of the ships work together it has a new maneuver template and just kind of it all plays together like those classic huge battle scenes which x-wings miniatures was really lacking the only tough part for me and we'll see how the game plays if it's different enough is that it's a completely different system on top of x-wing miniatures so anybody already playing that game now has to invest in the new one and the base set is 100 bucks, so that's that's a little tough. It's bigger, I, you know. There's photos from Gen Con; these are all the ships are bigger, but and you do get more out of the box. You're getting more ships overall because they're you know you get the different squadrons of the smaller ships, but it's a bigger buy-in. It's a completely different system. Um, we'll see how it plays. I'm sure yeah, it'll be good. That's a little bit more of the challenge because if you do, if you've already invested in Star Wars X-wing. Do you invest in this as well? Not both, no. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it does play somewhat similar if you look at the component pictures there. Mm-hmm. So you still have the same, you have some of the same templates, you have some of the same damage cards, you have some of the same units. So, you know, it's complementary to it, but it's not the same system. You wouldn't be able to play both systems kind of squished together in one. I mean, if I had to choose between the two coming at them from totally outside, I think they'll. Uh, Armada sounds more my style because for me the defining Star Wars moment, right, is the first shot sure. of the first movie and just mm. the massive starship passing by your screen and just and from that point on, right, every major spaceborne battle, the Star Destroyers turning against the Rebel fleet, uh, that just speaks to me. And, uh, yeah, and those bigger Star Destroyers and the Super Star Destroyer, even if they get to mm-hmm. that point, are going to be huge. Because, yeah. you know, they started with a Victory class, which is not a super large ship. So they have a lot of room to grow. And some of those are massive. So I don't, some people are already calling for a Death Star. I still think that would be the size of a, a small shed. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you get a beach ball and you paint it black. <laughs> what would it even do? It would just sit there. And power up the entire fight, and if you couldn't defeat it in time, it would kill everybody. Yeah, it's just having it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. And limited ship-to-ship capabilities, but those are mostly the little defense turret thing. No, they they had ship-to-ship capabilities. It, yeah, I guess they had the, the turrets. They had turrets. If you got why, close to it, yeah. and that's why they had to send the smaller ships in, is because anything larger would have been blown yeah. out of the sky. Tractor yeah. beam. Yeah. Pull things in. Although I think it would make more sense in a scenario. And right into Imperial assault. Tractor beam pulls you in, Imperial Assault. <laughs> now you're playing Imperial Assault oh, inside the Death Star. Here you go. Layers here. This is then, so many layers. <laughs> and then you jump into the Star Wars RPG. Right. Yeah, really, there you go. Fantasy Flight's getting it done. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a good year for Star Wars. It is. You know, I, and I was thinking about this. I was almost about to say, oh, I'm so tired of these Star Wars games, but I'm not. No. I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that. Like, it, It's a, an IP that I really just I don't mind. Yes, keep keep giving me more games. As yeah. long as they're decently done. I mean, if they threw a pod racer game at me, I might start complaining. But 
See, I actually got a little bit excited. Really? <laughs> pod, pod racing was the only good thing. As long Indeed. as it's not roll and move, right? Yeah, as long as it's not roll and move, that would be. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, Daniel, what did you see at Gen Con? Well, uh, you know, everything looks great, but the one that really spoke to me, the one that really jumped out to me, is the DC Comics deck builder game Crisis Expansion Pack 1, which is a long title. Um, but it's an expansion for the DC Comics deck building game series, and there are two of those, right? So there's the core DC Comics deck building game, and then there's the Heroes Unite game. Um, which are standalone and can be combined, though you have to be a little careful doing that to make sure you don't throw off the balance. Uh, and this expansion will work with either of those. Um, and something that I really enjoy about it, or think is really interesting about it, is that it introduces cooperative play into what has only been a competitive game, as well as adding new villains, new heroes, special heroes that you only use during cooperative play, uh, and harder villains, too, is something else that appeals to me a lot. Um, and the idea, it just looks like this is going to give a lot of flavor, a lot of pizzazz to one of my old reliable games, a game I keep going back to. But because I do that so often, it's kind of starting to get a little stale, and this is just the right time to give it a, a, a kick up. Nice. Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah. Hey, the game I've been looking forward to for a long time at Gen Con is uh, Pandemic, uh, a new variation it came out with. I know every couple of months they come out with some new twist and uh, they're going to come out with a dice game and a legacy game but pandemic contagion flips the basic game around that's what i'm really excited about i like pan i like cooperative games but i know there's some listeners out there that hate them would never play them this is your chance to play pandemic um, they flip the whole game on its ear by making you the contagion that used to be fighting and basically, you and your fellow contagions are trying to destroy the world, wipe out the world. It's not a com uh, cooperative game, it's a competitive game. So I like the fact that it takes something familiar uh, that I've loved and enjoyed it in all its different forms, but gave it, wow, a whole new twist. Can't wait. Sounds cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a fun one. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, I wish we could have played it and give you guys like impressions, but... Uh, just the laundry list of games coming out in the next like eight months is ridiculous and you know even some stuff that like old games have been out of print for a while like Fire and Axe a Viking Saga I saw that they're bringing that back um, and Drew we were talking about like this surge of Viking games lately which yeah. uh, seems to be like it's going to be a new hot IP not IP but theme that they're going to borrow from Catalyst now. Games Lab has made a deal with um, I guess the producers of the History Channel's show The Vikings um to create two games, one of which is Jarl, which is actually like the Duke. Basically, it's a, a variation of the Duke. Um, not just a retheme, but more new rules to it. And then the other one is uh, the Vikings, the board game, which they say, uh, let's see, the phrase was uh, for the Lords of Waterdeep and beyond crowd. So huh. it's going to be a worker placement game uh, in that sense. So those two are coming out and we've, we've talked about some great Viking games we've enjoyed in the past so yeah it's a theme that's strong it's got legs yeah it's picking up um, it doesn't really matter that we didn't go to Gen Con we went somewhere better Gen Cant oh yeah yeah yep how did everyone enjoy their Gen Cant weekend <laughs> that was a brilliant idea I don't know who first came up with it but I, I started seeing references to it pop up all over the place um, the contest that they had for Gen Cant was simple and brilliant um, send in a photograph of what you are doing instead of going to Gen Con um, that was it and uh, I, I didn't send in any photo I don't know if any of you guys entered the contest but I tried to think uh, of something clever I should have probably should have because we were all doing something not as good as what they were doing at Gen Con but that's the joke. <laughs> At least we still have our health. Can you imagine how they're abusing themselves, staying up all night, not eating? Come on. Sounds awesome. <laughs> That's why Gen Cant is better. Yeah. You don't have to do any of that. It's better for you. <laughs> I ate a salad for lunch, did some chores, spent some time with my son, and went to bed at 10 o'clock. See, Jen can't. Hashtag. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting that on my calendar for next year to make sure I get to Jen can't 2015. I think That's you're already what? there. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoyed the games, the interviews, the lines were pretty short, so that wasn't too bad. Sure, yeah. Parking, there was plenty of that, and, you know, then 
You can get to pretty much any room you want, so. Food was surprisingly affordable. Yes. Mm. At a fully stocked mini fridge. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's like I live with somebody who went to the store that morning. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's some of the stuff we would, you know. You've seen the coverage. You know all the games that came out, but those are the things that have us most excited. There's tons of other things, obviously, on that list. Um, and we'll be talking about them in the weeks to come as they are released. Lots of games released at Gen Con that we will be playing King of New York. King of New York. God, they've talked about that for so much. I thought it was released six months ago. They've been talking about it for so long. <laughs> it's coming soon. Uh, Mice and Mystics, Downwood Tales. Yeah. Saw Inside the Box. I'm super psyched for that. Uh, Pandemic Contagion. Um, Among the Stars. Koro. We've got a long list of stuff to play this fall. Hopefully it all comes in soon because I want to play it. Uh, but next up, we're going to jump into kind of a a flashback of sorts to some of our favorite games from the last year that we reviewed on this show uh, and some of which we've played lately uh, in our special kind of at the table first anniversary hybrid special at the table this week all right it's been exactly one year to the day since we started this podcast and in that time we've had 34 episodes with more than 30 feature reviews so there have been a lot of games we put the spotlight on. Uh, some of the games we liked a lot. Some of them were okay. Some of them less so. Uh, so what I thought would be cool, what we all thought would be cool, is to kind of share what our favorite game, or the one we wanted to touch back on the most is, from that first year's 30-plus feature reviews. And then, you know, hopefully if we've had a chance to play it lately, talk about our recent experiences with it versus when we first started out. So... I'm going to throw it to Chris first, because we played yours today. Yes, yeah, so looking over the, the whole year of feature reviews, we've played some amazing games. The one that I keep coming back to has to be Caverna. The Uwe Rosenberg kind of Agricola 2.0 that it kind of incorporates the best of that and so many of his other games to kind of bring this worker placement game, at least for me, to kind of the ultimate version. So Caverna has so much good to it, and it, like I said, it takes from a lot of good parts, but it really is its own game. It, does, it has its own flavor, it has its own spirit. While you're playing the game, you can choose a lot of different options. The game we just recently played, each one of us went a completely different path to victory, and yet we only came, I think, between five or six points away from each other at the end. And that was a lot of fun, too, because... When you were playing Agricola, it's a little tight, which is the fun of Agricola, don't get me wrong. I like that, but if you screw up once or twice, that's pretty much the game, and now you have to wait another hour until, until the horror is over, <laughs> or the randomness of the cards. Caverna kind of brings you everything right up front. You know what the car, what the tiles are, so you don't have to worry about the cards if you got a bad hand, because you can choose from anything. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful game. It plays with from one to seven players, which you really don't hear about from many, very many games. And the components are wonderful. It has all the animeeples to it, the artwork, the graphic design. It's just so well thought out. It scales beautifully. It has the different boards that kind of work in and out. And I'm sure this game's gonna have multiple expansions in the future. Yeah, Caverna's a great game. I don't usually tolerate worker placement games very well, but I actually enjoyed Caverna. I, I tolerated Agricola with it was reasonably pleasant, but I actually actively enjoyed Caverna, which is unusual for me with that kind of game. Yeah. Worker placements are probably my favorite genre of games, honestly, just as I've been playing more in the last six months to a year. Um and consistently, I like almost every worker placement I play if it's well done. Except Agricola, which I had a horrible experience with this game the first time I played, which, from what I've heard, is pretty typical. If you have one of those moments where you are made a stupid mistake in the second round and you're out for two hours, you're probably not going to like it very much, which is what happened to me. Um, I don't like games that later that happens. Caverna fixes, like, every problem I had with Agricola. I like this one a lot. So it's great. I didn't get a chance to play it when we did it in the original review uh, back in January. So it was exciting to finally get it to the table for me. And um, I'm glad you were right and that it's that much better than Agricola because now I want to play it again. It's a, it's a great design because there are so many ways to win. Uh, all four of us 
tried different paths and we came within 10 about 10 points of each other yeah six to ten points i think on that and daniel won and worker placements is not your game you're more of an ameritrash player and to pull out a win on the first time playing is great yeah it's a flexible game and you can kind of just sort of look for whatever paths are open right even if you get pen daniel all right here's a way i can capitalize on what i have well yeah um anthony you and i were starting out with the uh, the questing thing yeah. of building up our dwarves with more and more armor, but because you sat to my left and always went after me, you figured out a way to to branch off in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, I thought that'd be fun to do the questing. Um, you went all in on the questing, which I don't blame you because you spent those resources. If this was Agricola, I would have been dead in a ditch somewhere. My family would be starving <laughs> to death. I would have ended the game with four points and just never wanted to look at it again. Um, Caverna basically let me kind of sides go around that and be like, all right, well, you have the benefit of those weapons you picked up. You can still use those whenever Drew decides not to go those places. But you can also use those extra resources and get points here and here and build out your mines and grow, build new cavern rooms. So it was really cool. I didn't feel like I lost a ton of momentum. Um, I still came in last place, but by like five points. So it wasn't such a huge difference. And there were a few other decisions I made that probably had more of an impact than that, where in other games, um, (laughs) it would have been a lot worse. So it's so much better balance. It's almost like Rosenberg looked at Agricola and said, okay, I have a really good game here, but also I know these complaints. How do I resolve those and make it part of a very tightly balanced Mm -hmm. game? And that's what Caverna does. To me, the balance is between strategy and tactics. Um, yep, you gotta, absolutely. You got to be able to deal with both. Um, another worker placement game that I uh, that made a big impression on me goes way back to the very first episode, The Lords of Waterdeep. Um, I know you also reviewed the uh, expansion to that too in the first episode. Uh, Chris, you introduced that game to me. Yes. You played the base game a couple times. Absolutely. Um, Love that game specifically for a, a, a mini what I call a, a mini mechanic, the worker replacement <laughs> mini mechanic, where you get to uh, place your worker, take an action, and then at the end of the turn, you take a supplementary action with that. Um, Lord's Waterdeep did that. Um, I've only ever, seen that, only ever seen that in Russian railroads. They do that. If you place a guy for about turn order, you get to use him at the end. Sure. I love that. Because um, the first move you make with it is a minor one, but could be key, like first player. Then gives you a chance to have one more shot at it. I love it. Mini worker replacement. Yeah, I really love worker replacement games. And one of the, the games that really solidified that for me was Lords of Waterdeep. The opportunity to actually play a D&D inspired world game with a Euro mechanic is such genius. Because... For most of us who've grown up with these kind of Dungeons and Dragons, Lord of the Rings, and and at the same time you see Euro games on the other side that are so bland and they have that kind of old medieval theme, you would never even come close to that. So Lords of Wordy kind of brings the best of both worlds together. And it's really interesting. The artwork is beautiful, the graphic design is really nice on that, and it's just a really great, nice kind of entry level worker placement game that you never really get tired of especially with the expansion it kind of adds a lot more to the game and kind of brings a fuller experience but really a wonderful worker placement game yeah definitely i love this game um i've not played it as much as i'd like to in recent months but it's it's on my list and with that expansion it opens it up and it becomes more uh strategic long term you can definitely build around those corruption markers and do lots of more cool stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> um, base the base game can end up feeling a lot like okay, hoard 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 resources spend 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 complete quests you know it, it does start to, to cycle a little bit but you throw those new wrenches in there and it definitely it adds a lot so now I've, I've never played Lords of Waterdeep or its expansion so would you guys suggest that it, if I were to play it just start right off with the expansion don't bother with the base game alone or what do you guys think? Base game's good. Definitely, I would play that. Um, yeah, no, I'd start with the base game. I'd play it once with that, and then the expansion's actually two separate expansions, too. So the one adds just a few new spaces on the board, and the other one actually adds a whole new mechanic. Um, uh, so I would actually, if you're going to play it for the first time, play base, then play Undermountain, then play with the Corruption. Okay. In that order. 
Yeah, because the corruption allows you to go to spaces that have a, a lot more resources, mm -hmm. but then you take markers that will count against you at the end of the game. But there's also cards that allow you to get rid of those markers or actually turn them into points. So there's a lot of different gameplay mechanics as far as that's concerned. The Undermountain is just additional spots. There's really not much more to it. I actually like a worker placement game that gives you more options but makes you pay for them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a really cool mechanic. Yeah. And you can make it work for you because there are, you know, there's always the Lord you get which gives you a bonus and one of them will subtract how much you lose, for example. Like it'll have it, I think. Um, so you lose less points if you have a ton of corruption. So you're just hurting everybody else by loading up on corruption. <laughs> um, but you get so much extra for going there. And you're like, well, I'm losing points, but it's, I'm getting a lot. So it's that, that kind of constant balance. It's a lot of fun. For me, my uh, favorite of our featured reviews, or at least the game that I really want to play more, is Mice and Mystics. I've started playing this game several times, and I don't think we've ever made it past the third chapter with the, with the same group anyway. Uh, and I've been playing it recently down in Charleston. I played with some of my friends in the area. I actually bought my own copy. Uh, in addition to Anthony's, so that I could uh, play down there, and it went very well. It's one of those games that I found that even people who don't game that frequently can really pick up, and I just, I want to hear the story play out. I want to see it all play out. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful game. Yeah. My Mystics is awesome. Um, I've had this game since before this podcast started. The fact that we reviewed it just a couple months ago, uh, is a little bit of a misnomer because I got that game in May of 2013 and it's been <laughs> sitting on my shelf ever since. And the uh, one time I played it with you guys, I, I know that we hadn't got all the rules right, so I probably didn't get the full extent of the Yeah, experience. plus it was that first chapter, which is more um, until you get to the crow. It's not, you're just kind of going through the motions and learning the rules. Yeah. Yeah, Mice and Mystics is just an absolutely wonderful game. I love the, the chapter setup because it gives you this yeah, honestly, it's a great game to sort of build a weekly game night around, right? You play around it, and then you have this. And you have this continuing story, this feeling of continuity, uh, and it's just really fun. Yeah. I like this game for four reasons, and that's more than most games I like. Um, <laughs> one, I got to paint stuff, which is awesome. Two, I know it's a game my kids are going to like when they're older, so I, it's never a game where if it sits there and I don't play it, I feel bad about it, because I know it's going to come out eventually. Uh, three, I could play it by myself if I want to, and it's enjoyable. Except I don't really want to ruin the story playing with a group of friends. So it's like, eh, it's, I still haven't figured out if I'm going to do that or not. But I have been playing a little more solo games, so it's I'm tempted. And then four, it's just a really good game. I mean, we had fun as four grown adults playing this game, and I'm sure we will continue to do so. Um, there's just so many reasons to like it. It's It could easily have been my choice for this, too. I think it's especially, as Anthony was saying, the fact that this plays with adults and it does have a childlike flavor, but it's not a kiddie game. You're not nothing that you're doing in the game feels like it's dumbed down or too basic or just roll a die and see what happens. Everything really does have that dungeon crawl mechanic to it, and it plays in the way that a dungeon crawl would kind of play out. So as I said in the last one, this is a great co-op because you can take people through an adventure and kind of build a story that really enriches each and every time you play it. So Anthony, what is your favorite game from the past year? I had trouble with this. There's a few. Uh, Battle Lord Second Edition was amazing. I don't currently have a copy of that game, so I have not played it in a while, and I know only Chris and I have played that. Yes. So I, I wasn't going to bring that one out, but Terra Mystica, also amazing. Expansion coming up. But for me, the one that like caught me off guard the most and the one that I more frequently want to bring to the table, for a few reasons, honestly, um, is Spirium. Spirium was like a, a really nice, pleasant surprise for me last year. Uh, it's a lighter, more accessible, relatively quick worker placement game. Uh, it's only $35, which is, you know, for any strategy game, is a really great price. The components suffer a little bit because of it, but that doesn't bother me so much because the game is just... It's, it's fun, it's tight, and um, I have fun every time I've played it. I've played it differently every time. And uh, it's just the way it uses that kind of pathway worker placement aspect where you can load up your meeples in one space um, and benefit from it. It's just really cool to me. I really enjoyed playing this game too. As Anthony said, it's a small game. 
it flew underneath the radar. If you saw this kind of on a shelf, you were like, hey, Steampunk, and you look on the back of the box to see the game, you were like, not so much. But where this game really does shine is in the mechanics. It really has a nice kind of, kind of cross between being a very light game where the setup is pretty simple and clean and yet heavy because not only are you doing your kind of worker placement type of action, but you're also are doing that in reference to what you think everyone else is going to be doing. So as Anthony was saying, depending on the number of meeples in a certain section, you're talking about money, you're talking about picking up a card. So very, very simple design, very clean, very interesting, and something that pretty much everyone can play. It's the kind of game where I really want to get it back to the table and play it again. Yeah, I think the only thing that was really missing from this game is an expansion because this really needs a little bit more, just like Lords of Waterdeep was a very nice game and then when the expansion came out, it became a full game. I think Spirium kind of suffers from that where it's a very nice game, but it really needs an additional mechanic or another section to it. Something more to kind of make it a full kind of game. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see where you're coming from on that. Um... I think if I played it as often as I wanted to, I'd probably get to that point. Sure. Because it would probably start to what any worker placement does, honestly. Other than, like, Caverna, where you probably can't play that game en- enough times due to its length to get to the point where you're bored with it. Um, it's just, every time I played it, I had so much fun, and I just, I don't feel like it needs anything additional for me to have that level of fun. Uh, if I think once you reach the point where you've played it a dozen times, you probably would. It's a lighter game, like you said, it flew under the radar. I don't haven't heard anything about anything additional being added to this. My only hope is that uh, the designer makes, you know, an upgraded version in a new theme or something, like Rosenberg does. Like, okay, I made this game, everybody liked it, it was a good solid core, let's build on that. Uh, the, the good designers do that, and I'm hoping we see something like that with this, because it's, it's a cool game, and it uses yeah. an interesting worker placement mechanic that I haven't seen in a lot of other games. All right, so those are four of the games that we had the most fun playing that we were most excited to play again from year one. Uh, honestly, like, at least two-thirds of that list I would go back and play again. There are a few I don't like, which there should be. We're not supposed to like every game we play. But um, there are some that I wish I could play more often. Game of Thrones card games, bent one, that almost made my list too. Just in terms of... You know, the games that really jumped out at me the most, uh, all four of these definitely could make my list. I always like to look forward for the next year. And I wonder, a year from now, what are the four games we're going to look back on like we really enjoyed the most? Um, Yeah, that's a good question. I wonder. Good to speculate. Um, Last year at Gen Con, Caverna was big, right? They were talking about that. So that would have been an easy one to guess. Oh, anyway, Battle Spirit. Lore kind of came out that was really noticeable. Yeah. I'm trying to wonder if it's any of the games we've already talked about wanting to buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see next year. And uh, if you're interested in any of these games, we have them on all the podcasts. So take a listen back to some of our older episodes and you'll get a kind of a full update on those games. And as always, we want to know what you guys think and what kinds of game you enjoy. So if you want to let us know which of the games we've reviewed over this last year was your favorite or the one you most want to play, send us a line. Drop us a line. Send us a letter. <laughs> <laughs> and stick with Tell us. Tell us. Stick with us moving forward. We're going to be on every week, so uh, we'll always have more games to tell you about. Yeah, and then next year's list will be longer. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have like almost 50 plus. Oh, darn. That's epic. Yeah. Well, it's the more games, the better, honestly. It's my list of games to play for this podcast, for life. Or things I wish I got to play more often is longer every week. In the next year, I'm going to be taking a look back at some of the games from the past because you know they're always re, uh, they're always resurrecting games, reprinting games. Um, they, there's an appreciation for what we've had in the past, and I want to look back and see some of the great games we may have forgotten, some games that maybe need to be reprinted. Uh, we have a great glorious past, <laughs> we board gamers. So it's not just about the new, but um, how the new reflects the old. Absolutely. I think it's a great idea, and I can't count how many times we play one of these new games. I'm like, I like that mechanic. I've never seen that before. And then I do a little bit of research and find out it's been used like a dozen times. <laughs> like, all right, never mind. <laughs> this isn't new. Um, most board games are built on what came before. It's not, nobody's reinventing yeah. the wheel. 
It happens maybe once every decade where somebody comes up with something completely new and then everybody else dogpiles on top of it and makes their <laughs> Beats own it to death. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, that's going to be everything for this week. Yes, yeah, it's doing it weekly now. So that's going to be everything for this week. Uh, next week, tune in because we're going to be talking about a couple games that did not make our World Cup of Fantasy games. A couple people wrote in about this and kind of called us out on leaving them out. So we're going to do a special double feature review next week of Cyclades and Kemet. Uh, we're getting both of those to the table. We have before. We're going to get them back to the table this week and do it like a full comparison review of both. Um, but for this week, that's everything. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Board Gamers Anonymous. Look for us on Twitter at BGA Podcast or on Board Game Geek. And we're on BoardGamersAnonymous.com. Um, and of course, Chris, kicking the habit. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That's always a good one, too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you're listening to this and you enjoy what you hear, and I know a lot of you do because I've gotten great emails from you, head over to iTunes, even just drop us five stars. Don't even have to leave a review, although we would love your review. We'd love to hear what you like and what you don't like. and All of the above. It makes us better podcasters and makes us happy. All right? Especially head down to Board Game Geek. We have a guild there. Post anything you want us to talk about, any questions you may have. Anthony loves getting your questions, and we love covering them on the podcast so that we can get to know what you're looking at and how we can help. Yeah, absolutely. Leave a question. It'll be on the next week's podcast after we record. All right, so that's everything for this week. This is Anthony. This is Chris. This is Daniel. This is Drew. And after a year, we'll still save a seat for you at the table. When are you going to get here? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> this chair is covered in dust. <laughs> we want to start the game already. All right, wait, wait. We'll give him five more minutes. I get five. <laughs>